0: So we made it. This is episode 300 of the Talking Health Tech Podcast. (laughs) You think we can invest in sound effects by now. I've not done the maths exactly, but that means there's been well over 300 guests and probably over 150 hours of me chatting with people who are making it happen in health tech. And as I reflect on it, I think back to when this podcast started back in 2018. So pre-COVID, I was working within the industry, making it happen as a technology vendor. And I'd worked in healthcare and technology in Australia for a number of years, but I was still finding it really hard to just get traction. And if you were someone that wanted to learn more about health tech or how it works, or you had an interesting idea and wanted to make a meaningful impact, it was so hard to actually work out how it's all connected, who you could speak to and what you do next. And when the podcast started, there was very little interest here in Australia in investing in innovation in healthcare generally. There weren't too many incubators and accelerators and programs and grants that were available for the startups. And in the more established side, the enterprise piece, a lot of the technology was just very functional. There wasn't a great deal of talk about innovation and improving solutions. And for the startups or for the early stage companies, I still remember the best you could often get was, say, an R&D grant to get some tax concessions and maybe a few other programs scattered around if you knew where to find them. And you fast forward to now, probably fueled by the pandemic mostly, but I'd like to think we've played our own little part too here at Talking Health Tech. There's greater collaboration, interest and investment and awareness and excitement about the role of technology in healthcare. There's definitely a long way to go, but when you look back how far this industry has actually come, pretty awesome. So if you've been listening since episode one or just joined us, thank you for your support, your suggestions, and for sharing it with others. This has just grown from the humble little fortnightly podcast to a pretty impressive online resource. We've got our glossary of terms on the website that gets thousands and thousands of organic visits per month. We've got our THT Plus membership offering with over 100 companies now and many more individuals who've taken their passion for health tech a little bit further and joined our growing community. Check out the website, by the way, talkinghealthtech.com to learn more about THT+. You can join anytime. There's no long forms to fill out. It's open to anyone if you're interested in collaborating and making an impact. And of course, now as well, we've got our quarterly virtual summits at Talking Health Tech, and there's something else. You've not seen a virtual event like this, at least within the healthcare space before. Our next summit is our spring summit on the 24th of November this year. Tickets are available now on our website. And they're, of course, free for our THT Plus members to attend. So register now to secure your spot. So what now? What next for Talking Health Tech as we hit episode 300? Well, we're going to continue to do our quarterly summits and delivering even more value for our members and bringing you interesting insights here on the podcast as well. We're probably going to be hosting a few small in-person networking events here and there in 2023, and maybe even exploring doing more video content here and there as well. We'll keep partnering with the organizers of those big events that are happening around the country to capture all the great learnings from those speakers and summarize them back here on the podcast for you to check out while you're out and about. And as well at Talking Health Tech, a big focus for us now is growing our podcast network. So you probably don't know, but we actually do post-production services and support a few other podcasts that are happening in their healthcare space. And moving forward, we're probably going to be making a bit more of a deal about what we do there as part of our Talking Health Tech podcast network. So this passion for exploring and connecting in health tech has led us to spin off to another important industry and one that's arguably one of the most important industries in Australia that literally touches everyone, that's agriculture. How much do you know about agriculture? What about the use of technology in agriculture? Well, at some point in this year, I ended up deep down this rabbit hole of learning more about ag tech, the use of technology in agriculture. And one thing led to another, and I'm excited to say we're spinning off a sister podcast called Talking Ag Tech. And to celebrate episode 300 of the Talking Health Tech podcast, we're going to share with you right now, episode one of the Talking Ag Tech podcast. Now, if you're keen to hear more episodes of Talking Ag Tech. It's a separate podcast. So just search for it in your podcast player, like Apple or Spotify, or go to talkingagtech.com and follow us on all the socials. Now, don't worry, Talking Health Tech is absolutely not going anywhere. We'll be running both podcasts simultaneously, along with the other great podcasts within our podcast network. We're starting slow with Talking Ag Tech and probably just releasing one episode of Fortnite to start. That's how Talking Health Tech started, funnily enough. And let's just see where it takes us, shall we? So in a sec, you'll hear episode one of the Talking Ag Tech podcast in its entirety. If you don't know anything about agriculture, that's okay, neither did I, that's the point. But I think there's something in it for all of us to learn about in an industry that's so important to not just all of us now, but future generations as well. Alrighty, here we go. If you're out there running a farm, you're going to need to make a lot of decisions. And of course, if you're going to be making informed decisions, you're going to need reliable data and insights about livestock and crops, weather, from hardware, software, connected devices, networks, and apps and other things. Having to access and juggle and make sense of incompatible on farm data from different digital devices and services makes the life of a farmer even more challenging than it already is. Well, with me today is Hamish Munro, CEO and co-founder of Pear Tree Intelligence, who are centralizing disparate data sets into a single login space, enabling data stacking for high-level analytics and greater decision support at the fingertips of farmers. In this conversation, we learn more about Pear Tree and the problems they're solving, the need for data convergence, not just data centralization, issues of carbon and stewardship, and what the connected farm of the future might look like here in Australia. Lots more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team AgTech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Ag Tech, a podcast to learn more about technology in agriculture. Come explore this important sector with me, Peter Birch, as I speak to those that are in the thick of it to help break down the silos and drive more innovation into this important sector, one conversation at a time. With me today is Hamish Munro. He's a fifth generation farmer from the central west of New South Wales. In 2018... Hamish and his business partners co founded Pear Tree Intelligence to integrate sensors, apps, satellite imagery and more. Hey Hamish, how are you going?
1: I'm well, thanks Pete. How are you?
0: Really good. Excited. Excited to have the first conversation on the Talking Ag Tech podcast. That's so great. I appreciate you taking the dive and w- with no prior reference points about the podcast, you've, you've agreed to come and have a chat with me. So I really appreciate that.
1: No, look, I think what you've been doing is fantastic. And I think Australian Ag Tech certainly something that should be celebrated. And I, it's some amazing stories that I think you'll tease out over the next few uh, episodes and following. Can't wait.
0: Well, look, I'm, I'm keen to learn more about what you're doing particularly. But firstly, set the scene. Tell us about you and your background.
1: Yeah, look, I'm a uh, fifth generation farmer from central New South Wales, grew up in a little place called Cumrock and now live a little bit closer to Orange. Over those years, our family farm had mixed cattle and cropping and sheep, so I focused particularly on the cattle for a number of years and then also got into the cropping and going through that. I spent probably about eight or nine years representing the Australian beef industry at a state, national and international level on Cattle Council of Australia, and I think that was probably really my first step into it being exposed to what innovation was happening here within Australia, but also some of the, the marketing and the, and the trips that I was able to attend I sort of really got some insights into, you know, what other industries, what markets were requiring and, you know, sort of opened those opportunities to me to, to start to look into, you know, the power of data.
0: So the power of data. So I guess that brings us to, to Pear Tree and what you're doing now, right? Tell us a bit more yeah. about Pear Tree.
1: Yeah, so in 2018, we kicked off Pear Tree, New South Wales Department of Primary Industries, or DPI, asked us just to help them out with a small project. They had two research farms, one in Molong and, and one in Orange, and they had a LoRaWAN network. Now, LoRaWAN's like farm-scale Wi-Fi. They had these gateways, which are the modem, sitting up on a big tower, and then there was all these little devices that spoke back to the gateway and then went to the cloud to, you know measure monitor what's happening on those farms and Mm. it overcome that connection piece but they actually just couldn't see that data so that was where we came in we we connected to the data and pulled the two farms together and then what we as a farmer i could see that you know having a look at a soil probe seeing how much moisture was in the soil was really helpful or seeing from a rain gauge you know how much rain or what the climatic sort of conditions were was helpful but they're all in isolation and they weren't in a context that farmers can make a decision out of and I think that was where you know we went and we got some livestock markets from meat and livestock national livestock reporting system and then we also got some other grains markets and then we sort of got some satellite imagery and a few other bits and pieces really to pull that overall message together because farmers need a number of points of data to work through and they've they've done that historically forever and that's where I could see that maybe we could put it on a page and start to sort of connect that data and make things clearer and more repeatable.
0: I I could only imagine that the amount of data that you'd need to be across and the different measures across a wide range of factors on a farm would be huge. So being able to pull it all together in one place would hopefully make a farmer's job a little bit easier to actually make some more informed decisions.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that was... Funnily enough, the, the second project that we took on Meat and Livestock Australia at the end of twenty eighteen had the Red Meat Digital Forum. So there was five properties down at Queenby or sort of you know sort of east of, of Canberra. So there was five properties, five different network connectivity options, fifteen different providers, twenty five different device types. And 280 different devices that were on this demo farm and we only had a couple of weeks to put it together to start to make some sense of it but that was actually probably a really blue sky project that emily kicked off then and has led to a lot more interest and testing of ag tech and and better understanding you know how to put this stuff together as you said it's it's really complex and it's really hard to actually make that data usable and act on those insights
0: Thinking through it though, there'd be so many different providers like you say that in that one example of a demo find there's so many different providers creators of technology, are they all sending data in some form of like standard format or is there some kind of consistency going on? Is there is there hope there or is it all just a bit of everything everywhere?
1: No mate, it's um uh, at the moment there's no data standard within Australia and and I actually, you know, you're coming from a from a sort of a health Background: Everything's standardised, and particularly in the data set, sort of, sort of side of it. But I actually have a quite a different view on that, and I think that, particularly in Australia, ag, you know, we we have annual cycles, so it's really hard to repeat that data too much within the year. But I think the biggest thing is, is that for ag tech, there's there's very small margins within agriculture for farmers, so we need to minimise the amount of cost to industry that goes. You know is is added on top and if standardization actually creates extra costs from ag tech companies that are already existing then there's very minimal value directly to the farmer italian droop to you know whoever else wants to use that data so i see that you know we've got to be very careful i think standardization needs to be done at some stage but at the moment we can't stifle innovation or other ag tech companies coming from overseas being able to just to you know land and expand and provide services to farmers and i think that's the really important thing that everyone it's easy to think about standardization so yeah it's needed but need to actually think about the practicalities of it
0: absolutely and and, i mean you would know that firsthand being so so connected to the the industry hey beforehand we were talking a fair bit about when it comes to pear tree and the and, and what you do with the data we were talking offline about these concepts of data convergence versus data centralization talk to me a bit more about that
1: yeah so look at the moment we've got about 130 different ag tech and digital ag sort of solutions or, or sources that we can connect to so what we do firstly is we can centralize the data so we provide flexibility to the farmer firstly to choose which suite of ag tech solutions suit their farm so you know mm. even neighboring farms can uh, require different ag tech solutions because of budgets or you know sort of whatever their technical literacy and their technical capacity is and all of that but we get to that point where it's like your phone you've got a whole bunch of apps it's really hard to uh, navigate them and your apps don't talk to each other whereas for farmers they want these apps to talk to each other so they can you know get that re- more repeatable better decision sort of approach so yeah. what we do is centralize that data firstly so just put the different sets of data next to each other so that they can say right i will we've had for the year so far we've had 300 mils of rain we've got a full profile of moisture We've got X amount of cattle or sheep on hand. We've got so many hectares of crop. We're looking at you know, needing to, to make some decisions coming forward you know, about diseases or a number of other issues within the crop. How do, we, how do we sort of manage all of that sort of stuff? So they're all centralised together. So you, you know, the farmer can see that. But what Pear Tree specialises in is the data convergence. And that's when we can say, right, I oh, will out of the weather station, we just need humidity. We need radiance, we need temperature and rain and there's probably a couple of other bits and pieces, but we can then actually look at a specific disease within the crop that we have. So there's you know, there's a whole range of different crops, but we can just break it out into a metrics type approach so that we can then know what the crop is or know what the animal livestock is that could be whether it's flies in sheep later on in the year or you know, there's a whole range of things that the weather data provides. So, a weather station and a sensor centric sort of view doesn't help you making a decision. It's really about pulling those metrics out and then putting it into a lot of research, to the algorithms that have already been done by all the great RDCs that are here in Australia and, and making that available just to say, is this disease an issue or is this pest going to be an issue going forward? Yeah.
0: If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT And I would imagine too, then on the front end for, for the end user, you would want to try and minimize as much complexity as possible so that then it's not just presenting like a heap of data. It's actually <laughs> saying, hey, here's some information and, and here's what you might want to do about it
1: yeah so the um and i think that's really where being a farmer sort of really is able to to unlock that and what we've done is is we have what we call paddock connect so all of the data that we connect goes into to be related to that particular paddock for a start so because animals are moved around in a rotation between paddocks or crops are sown in particular paddocks and they're set aside for that year and all that we've Mm. chosen to actually create an approach that any data that we have whether it's geolocated Within the app that we get, or whether we have to make some joins on the paddock name or a few other sort of options, placing that data into those paddocks so that then we can run sort of these algorithms and things like that going forward. But it's interesting, you sort of, because with having so many different ag tech companies, we want to complement and not compete with what they do. So, yeah. firstly, we always try and allow the alarms and the device setup. And all of that to be set up on the suppliers app that was provided with the the hardware or the service that they're doing. And so where we complement is that we pull that data and we can allow them not to have to keep on building new modules and, you know, expanding sideways from whatever their area or lane of expertise is. And so we can have that really quick and iterative approach to pulling those metrics out and, and allowing them to fit within whatever the insights than an agronomist or a, a consultant or a large agribusiness is is looking for or providing.
0: I mean, having that collaborative approach sounds like it's a much more beneficial for all, all stakeholders to try and ultimately lift the industry further too. So I like your style there. Yeah. You know, you mentioned a couple of different stakeholders there, and I'm just thinking then from from pear tree's perspective, who's the the customer? You know, we know the end users, the, the farmer, but you know, from a client's point of view, who's who's that?
1: yeah so look we've got a number of different agribusinesses that are using pear tree at the moment so between 2018 and and 2021 we were planning or trying to be the universal dashboard and ultimately what that was was i thought that farmers were sort of getting to that point where they had this issue of data and was data centralization was what farmers required just to have that one app log in once and just have a look at everything and in the morning, have your cup of tea and just find out whether you needed to check the tanks or move the stock or whatever it was (laughs) going to be. But over time, we were approached by different companies and we now provide white labels uh, for agribusinesses and agronomists and and consultants and that. So one of the the most noteworthy projects we're working on at the moment is with Syngenta, which is a world's largest chemical company. They've got a lot of research into disease models and they're trying to look at how They can create softer approaches rather than just going out and blasting fungicide across what's been traditionally the approach as a time-based approach to controlling diseases. So they see that by applying a hyper-local approach to particular crops and particular diseases, there's a greater opportunity to either preserve chemistries that have been used extensively and rotate them more so, or also start introducing biological so there's a you know there's a really nice stewardship type of approach there but what does pear Tree do pear Tree allows syngenta to have the opportunity of over 16 different weather station ag tech companies to um, connect into this service so firstly it's hyperlocal in the paddock but more so is they're not prescriptive about which ag tech provider they have to or the farmer has to opt in to to this model we you know we have that opportunity of saying, well, farmers just choose a reliable weather station that is going to be well-serviced in your local area, add it into this, and then you can get the insights that you need to, to look at it. So yeah, so there's a number of other ones. We've done some stuff for Auctions Plus, looking at markets, insights and sales near me and, you know, yeah, that's cool. agronomy companies and things like that as well.
0: That's a good approach. Hey, you mentioned stewardship. And in my limited understanding of this space so far, you know, I, I hear a lot of conversation and concern around carbon and stewardship in, in the ag tech and agriculture space. Talk to me a bit more about that and what Petri's doing there.
1: Yeah, so look, we we're doing quite a bit in that space. We um, a lot of the ag tech companies that we we actually deal with are probably doing more so and, and they're sort of really targeted within, particularly in the carbon space. But mm. we've sort of we've we've taken the adage that you know, integration is going to be the key to really drive the the co-beneficial outcomes of a lot of this carbon. Carbon within itself is probably gonna be the base layer of any markets, the you know, how land is really managed, what the, the management changes and all of those sort of things. That's where Pear Tree can come in and actually, you know, connect to, you know, five or six different livestock management solutions, three or four different farm management software platforms and and look back over the data and actually again curate that data into, into something meaningful. So within Pear Tree Plus, which is you know our entry level for farmers, which you don't have to have all these integrations on, it's really just for hobby farmers or people who are living in the cities that are, just want to have a bit of an idea of what's happening on their farm and, and accessing mm. it. That approach to stewardship is we we give them a hundred years worth of rainfall. Data we give the comparison over the last ten years to how their seasons are going, so that they can destock or, or or add stock as they as they need to. We provide some spray insights into when when contractors should be spraying and all of that sort of stuff. Plus, satellite imagery is and market So ultimately, that basics approach allows people that aren't there on their farms every day just to actually say make sure that they're doing the best they can. And then you know they they're looking at the seasons and and trying to make some decisions and, and where to go from there.
0: And I'm thinking too, is, as you're talking, there's powering a lot of the decisions or, or at least the, the way that farms operate. There's at the core of it, a lot of research, a lot of science and the fundamentals there, but it's a long way between research and science to then coming through and creating a, an MVP of a product or an ag tech solution. So so that gap between research and and science and then right through to actually creating an ag tech or a solution. How do you think about those types of challenges?
1: Yeah, and I think that was my exposure through working with Cattle Council through those years, there was a large frustration because it's supposed to be research, development, extension and adoption. So as you you just kept on referring to, it was only the R&D piece that the A or the E and the A, extension and adoption are the real critical pieces because a lot of this research is done on public funds, whether they're levies or you know taxpayer funds, you know, it was fantastic research being done, but it's just frustrating that a lot of the time it ends up sitting on a you know, shelf or there is a stranded app. So we're overcoming that interoperability, but uh, the old school way is to just create an app, people use it. But barriers hmm. to entry for that are really about what does that app require? Well, it requires me to put all this information in which it's going to take me a couple of hours to do. And then when I want to use it again in two months, I've got to go and re-enter half the data in to update it. And so that's where Pear Tree can just, now, as long as the algorithm's there, we can host or we can actually push that, push the required data to that solution to drive it. So it's, you know, real time. And so when the data and the, and the information and the insights are on call all the time, and that's where I see that not creating those stranded apps anymore, but creating something that's live and, yeah, we connect to these key apps that are on your farm and then the research apps can just have that data plugged into them. It's the
0: making it happen part that's yeah. the the harder part, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the execution side. No, that's that's really cool. Let's say we nail this thing, Hamish. Let's say there's better connectivity and the, all the data's speaking to itself. What does what does is, what is connected farming look like for you? What does that future look like?
1: Yeah, I think connected farming is going to be really interesting. You know, like with autonomous vehicles, the tractors that are now there's a company up at Emerald uh, Swarm Farm. They're they're probably the leaders, particularly in Australia, but nearly globally in uh, creating robotic tractors that'll just go out and do their things, and they're serious tractors as well quite big and, and doing that but that is the, the really enabler you know getting to autonomous the sort of farming but there's all of the the other components and management that needs to hang off that and, and trying to to actually work that out is that if we can get these bots or these you know sort of tractors to go and do things you know we we then need to work out how or what to move livestock or to do different activities to the crops and then you know work out that that approach i think I think there's still a balance there's going to be a massive opportunity in the future still for, for humans right across agriculture and and I've been talking about it to a, a few different people and conferences and things that I've been at lately is I think agriculture is probably going to end up being the one industry where the entire family can actually contribute and, and it's sort of funny traditionally it was only the, the son that the one that was practical not the useless one that the one that could get out and not uh, not break the stuff and, and whatever sort of thing. Whereas whereas now daughters can come home, the geeky kids that the computer nerds, the ones that, you know, just didn't feel comfortable in farming, you know, like they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be critical to, to doing that and with labour shortages and all of that. Whereas look at a lot of other industries and this the, the family opportunity is is really not there, but I think there's some really interesting sort of opportunities in agriculture going forward.
0: That's one thing that's been on my mind for a while too, thinking more about the agriculture space, the role that technology plays in how it might shape in the next 5, 10, 20, 50 years. And traditionally, as I understand, farming is very family-based, passed down through generations and like a tailored craft. And I would imagine that with technology being in more and more apparent in how things are run on a day to day, the creation of that technology needs to be done in really close coordination with farmers, not just you know something built and chucked over the fence and said, "Hey, I've created something for you that this." Which is why you know I can see from your side, you know, by farmers for farmers, and and the way you you're approaching you're creating technology to to solve some problems, but also to keep those. The core of it, the meaningful part of the farming side, you know, keeping it in the family and, and doing that in a sustainable way and ultimately doing good for a lot of people. I think that there's there's probably a pretty bright future there if done the right way.
1: Yeah. But I, I think also, you know, you get to a point with agriculture, succession planning is a massive issue within agriculture. You know, farms are, you know, massive assets and a lot of farmers yeah. don't actually have a lot of cash flow or, well, they do have cash flow, but they're probably not really cash rich. They're sort of definitely mm. asset rich, and. I Fortunately or unfortunately, one of the reasons why I'm here today is because of session unplanning or not planning or whatever, but at my father's level above me in 2012, that sort of, we had quite a significant farm uh, in our area and unfortunately just couldn't continue. And, And so, whereas I think now part of it is, is that we could have bought a few other people home and actually got greater insights and we could have run it more as a corporate farm and kept on going but yeah there's probably a few personality issues there as well but it was that's where the opportunity i think really is is the pressures of traditionally only one one of the kids could come home and and take over dad's place or whatever whereas now they can still be in sydney or melbourne and and um, contribute just as much they're just contributing in a different way
0: Exciting times. Well, look, Hamish, I appreciate you coming on the show and having a chat. We'll put the details in the show notes of this episode for people to learn more about Pear Tree and what you do and keep in touch and follow along with the journey. Thank you so much for the chat.
1: Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you very much, Peter, and um, happy to be the guinea pig.
0: (laughs) Nice one. Thank you. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app, or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Ag Tech. For more content and community about technology and agriculture, visit TalkingAgTech.com.